Welcome to Broadcast 1132. You can join us live every Sunday during our worship experience in Allen, Texas or at church1132.com. Joyride Part 1, Philippians Chapter 4. Philippians Chapter 4 is where we're going to begin, verse 11. And this is Paul writing this to the church at Philippi. When Paul is writing this book, you got to understand this because this gives context to everything that he says. When Paul is writing Philippians, he is in prison, in chains. Okay, so you got to just picture that. Let that be in your mind as you hear this and as you think through this. Here's Paul. He's chained up. He's in prison, and he writes these words. Philippians chapter 4, verse 11, it says, I am not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. That right there we could probably spend a couple months on. I've learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want, I can do all this through him who gives me strength. Did you all know that 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 scripture, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength, comes on the heels of Paul who's writing in prison in chains saying I've learned the secret of being content in every situation. I I just want to give you this as we get started. Paul didn't just inherit it. It didn't just show up on his doorstep. It says that he learned. He, 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 He learned it. He learned the secret of being content. We, we named this series Joyride for a couple different reasons. Uh, when, when, when I was younger, I was at a summer camp, and uh, I happened to um, steal in the middle of the night a golf cart. And uh, I didn't really steal it. I borrowed it. And um, they put all the golf carts up at night, and I just happened to see where they left the keys. And so a couple of buddies of mine, we went out, and we got that golf cart. And, I mean, golf carts can do amazing things. It was, it was incredible. I mean, you can jump them. They're good. They will not tip. I mean, it, we, we tried. I mean, we got on two wheels, but not tipping. And, and we took that thing, and you, you heard that phrase, drive it like you stole it? We did it. We did that. We, we did that. And, uh, and, and we had a great time. But you know what's the thing? When we were done with it, we went and put it back and put, it, took, put the key back where it was because we didn't want anyone to find out about it because the truth of the matter is it wasn't ours. And when I've been thinking about us as a church and you watching online and, and, and really what we walk through, I, I've, I found that joy kind of seems to be like a joy ride. It's like we, we grab it for a moment and we drive it like we stole it, but, but it can be removed or we, we lose it in a fleeting moment. And so I begin to think about how, how do you get joy and keep it? How, 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 do, how do you remain joyful in the world that we live in? How do you watch the news and stay joyful? How, how do you go through economic downturns? How do you go through life's crises? How do you go through jobs, uh, trials, and still keep your joy? And I was reading this passage, and Paul says, I have learned the secret of being content. He's learned how, and if you know Paul, then you know that Paul didn't come from, from poor, a poor family. 
He came from a very wealthy family. He had means. He had more than enough. And so he knew what it was like. And he says this in the scripture. He knew what it was like to have plenty. But he also, as he began to follow Christ, he lost all of those things and he was persecuted. And he says he also knows what it's like to be in need. So somehow he has kept his joy in good situations and in bad. And you have to understand that where he's writing this from is this prison. He's chained up, he's locked up, and he's saying, I found the secret. I mean, it sounds like an oxymoron. I mean, it's like, you found the secret to be, like, look at you. This is not a good situation. This doesn't look right. This doesn't look good. And he says, no, I found the secret. I learned the secret in how to be content. You know, everybody wants a secret, right? Everyone wants to find out the secret to success, uh, the, 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 the get-rich-quick scheme. And uh, I was a part of that for a long time. I was always looking, like, for, for the newest thing, like, man, if there was this or that, I mean, you just pay this and you can make this. And I paid some of those things and didn't make that, which is interesting. You know, I, I got caught up in a lot of these things. I, I met with this guy till like, the very end. I went through, like, seven meetings of a pyramid scheme that, I, that they just, man, they had me convinced. And so I'm, like, 19 years old. I'm, like, I'm going to make millions. This is going to be amazing. And, and I'm, I'm networking. I'm planning. And, and, and then I get to the very end, and, and my dad's, like, would you please stop? Like, stop doing this. I'm like, no, Dad, I'm going to support you. I got you, whatever. He's like, what have you made so far? I'm like, nothing, but just give it time. And, and, and everybody wants to get rich quick scheme or a secret, a shortcut. Uh, I, I remember, uh, I've, I've told some of you this story before, but when I was, when I was younger, I, I tried to get a, um, I tried to get a, a get fit quick shortcut. And uh, I don't know if you ever see these things. You wake up at 3 a.m. and there's these infomercials. And um, one of these things that was really big and uh, it was these shocking things that you put on your abs. <laughs> Guaranteed a six-pack. Don't change the way you eat. Don't work out. Just put these, these little things on your, your abs and it contracts them for you. And I'm like, this is amazing. So I got it. And... I'd lay down with my family watching a movie, and I'd just put all the little things on, and I would just, it would contract your abs for you. And my family had to be just humiliated as they watched me, and of course it would come with sounds as well because it contracts your abs for you. So I'm like, oh, oh, oh. They're trying to watch a movie. And I've always been known to have skinny legs, and um, so um, my, my sister made a comment one day about me having chicken legs. And uh, so that really got to me. And so then I was laying in my bed, you know, lamenting and uh, thinking about how she could ever do that to me. And then I realized I got the ab shocker right there. And if it works on the abs, it, sure, it works on the calves. So I, I hooked that thing up on my calves. And it began to contract my calves in such a way that was so painful that I could barely walk for like three weeks. Um, I don't think it worked, but I was, I was determined to give it a good run. And so I, 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 I used this thing, man, I, I used it. Can I just tell you, some things there's no shortcuts to. There's just some things in life there's no shortcuts to. But Paul, in this passage, he says there might not be a shortcut, but there is a secret. The, the, there might not be like, a, like, like you can just skate by all the trouble in the world, but there might be a secret to learning how to be content 
in every situation. What if I told you today that there was a secret to contentment? It's what Paul said. He said he, he learned the secret. When you want to know the secret? I mean, I feel like we could, we could pro- this could probably benefit us. Like, we could probably do something with the secret of contentment. I'm going to tell you this. Contentment is the fuel of joy. Contentment is the fuel of joy. And the adverse is also true. Discontentment is the enemy of joy. If you're lacking joy in your life, there's probably a a good chance that you have an area of discontentment. There's an area where you are not satisfied with who you are or with the circumstances that you're living in. And I want to talk about some of the chains, some of the chains of the world that rob us of our joy. Because Paul was in chains when he wrote, I've learned the secret. He had external chains, but internally he was free. And the truth of the matter is that most of us have internal chains and nobody knows about it or we don't talk about it, but internally we're locked up and it robs us of the joy that God wants us to have in our life. The first chain, and all of these are progressive, but the chains of discontentment, this is what we're talking about, discontentment is the enemy of joy. Discontentment is a lack of satisfaction in our current state. Discontentment is a lack of satisfaction in our current state. I want you to just think about how many areas of your life that you're discontented in. I got some. I got a list of areas that I'm discontented. And this is the wild thing about discontentment is discontentment flies under the radar as not that bad because if I'm not satisfied with something, maybe that's a good thing because I'm driven. I want things to be better. And it is. There is truth to that because you need to be driven. You need to to not be satisfied with the status quo, but there is this unhealthy side of discontentment where you can never be satisfied with anything in your life. There is a key to joy and there's a key to contentment is is having both sides. It is being hungry, but still celebrating what you have. It is wanting more, but being okay with who you are and what you have. Some people are so discontented with their life that it drives their thought processes, it drives their reactions, it drives their interactions with other people, it drives their, their, their uh, social intelligence, it drives the way that they act on the job, they, the way they act around coworkers, all because of discontentment. I was talking to a, to a couple uh, months ago that they were very discontented, and this is just real life. It, it sounds silly when you talk about it like this, but each of us have walked through these things. They were discontented because their neighbors had bought a house that was so much nicer than the house that they were in. And so it made them, in the house that they once loved, become discontented in. Before they knew about what their neighbors bought, they loved it. But once they saw what their neighbors had, they became discontented. Do you see how evil discontentment can be? How slippery it is when it runs into your life and sneaks into into the way that you think? We all struggle with discontentment at some level. It is the very beginning sign that you're losing your joy. Discontentment is the very beginning sign that something is attacking your joy. And if you're discontent long enough, it leads you to the next chain, and this is the chain of discouragement. 
I know this is depressing so far. Don't worry. We'll, we, we got, we'll have an upswing after a while. It's like discontentment, discouragement, death. No, not death. Uh, discontentment leads to discouragement because after you're discontent so, so long, you will find yourself being discouraged. This is what discouragement means. Discouragement is the result of prolonged discontentment. Or another way to say it is it's a loss of confidence or enthusiasm. You know what I found is that when people lose in life often enough, they get discouraged. And it might not even be an actual loss. It is the appearance or the perspective of losing. Someone else is winning, and I'm losing. I'm losing in my parenting. I'm losing in my marriage. I'm losing in my finances. I'm losing at my job. In whatever area that you feel like you're losing in, the enemy opens up a door of discouragement. And after prolonged discontentment, discouragement sets in. And what i found is when people begin to lose purpose, they begin to find discouragement. Purpose is the thing that breaks off discouragement from your life because you have a vision that is ahead of you. You know, when people get discouraged, they oftentimes get passive. They, they no longer have the drive. I was talking to a guy that's been struggling with, with depression and burnout, and he says, Dustin, I just don't have the drive I used to. A young man, he said, I just don't have the drive I used to. What happened to the drive? After you lose so many times, seemingly... You lose the enthusiasm that you used to have or the courage that you used to have in life. People that get discouraged usually have lost some sense of their assignment in God. The best thing you can do when you're feeling discouraged is to help someone else. Because discontentment and discouragement turn your eyes inward. And the best thing that you can do, this is practical advice, if you're walking someone through discouragement, is help them help Someone else. This is the difficulty of our day and age and our culture is that when we go through things, we are in a place of social acceptance so that we want to let you know that you have a right to feel the way that you feel. And you do. But that way that you feel is not supposed to be the place that you stay. So you do have a right to feel the way that you feel, and you are discouraged, and maybe legitimately discouraged. Maybe you are legitimately discontent with some areas of your life, or areas in your marriage, or areas in, 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 in your income, or in different areas of your life. But that is not the place that we should stay, because Paul said, I learned the secret of being content in every situation. The chain of discouragement quickly leads to, and this is the chain that nobody wants to talk about, but the chain of depression. It's getting sadder and sadder today. The chains of depression. Now, most people would admit to being discontented and maybe even being discouraged at times. But to actually say you're depressed is on a whole nother level. But I'm going to tell you that each of these steps are progressions to an ultimate state of feeling Depressed. Depression this, this actually means a feeling of severe despondency and rejection. How do you get there? Discontentment and discouragement. That's how we get there. Depression is the leading cause of disability in the U.S. It is the leading cause of disability in the US. Over 350 million people worldwide suffer from clinical depression. 
Now, you got to understand what clinical depression is. That is, have been treated and have been diagnosed. That does not mean all the people that are in this room that are struggling with depression that never went to a doctor or never confessed to someone or never have had someone to talk to. This is just documented cases. 11% of adolescents have a depressive disorder by the age of 18. Almost one out of every 10 kids will have a depressive disorder, according to statistics, by the time that they're age 18. Why, they're still a kid? This is the state of our nation? Is that we're at this place? We're at this point that one out of every 10 kids that are in our kids' center today, our nursery today, are going to have a depressive disorder? 30% of college students report that they are depressed to a point that it affects their ability to do school. 30% of college students are admitting to depression at a level where it is now affected the way that they conduct their studies. I'm going to tell you something. We've got a problem. We've got a problem and Paul's got a secret. We've got a problem and Paul's trying to present to us a secret that we have to not just accept and not just read, but we have to learn like he learned. If Paul, in all his knowledge and all his wisdom, if he had to learn it, guess what? We better buckle up and get ready because it's going to take some work to learn how to be content. Joy is good things in us. Happy is good things outside of us. This is the difference is happiness is based on your happenings. So if your happenings are good, you're happy. But if your happenings are bad, then you lose your happiness. Joy is an inward state. It is something on the inside of you that still has joy even when the outside of you is in turmoil. That, my friends, is a secret. That is a key. If we can figure that out, I'm telling you, we can really make some steps out of discontentment, out of discouragement, and out of depression. Philippians chapter 1, verse 12 through 14. Now again, this is the same book. Paul writing the same letter from the same place in the same chains. He says, now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me, imprisonment, beat, and in chains, has actually served to advance the gospel. Where there's great opposition, there's great opportunity. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. And because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. So Paul's secret was not his ability to avoid trouble, but his perspective of the trouble that he went through. He, he, his, now, we're going, we're going somewhere today, okay? I'm just, i got to set it all up for, for you. His, his perspective was everything. Because his perspective was not if I can avoid the chains and avoid the trouble. He said, the very thing that I've been afflicted with has now fueled my purpose. He said, they tried to chain me, but the chains actually advanced the gospel. They tried to imprison me, but the imprisonment actually gave courage to people around me. Because Paul's happiness, his joy, was not based on outward situations. It was based on something that was inward, this secret, the secret to being content. Paul's, 
Paul's, one of the, the elements of the secret was his perspective. I just want to ask you this question. How do you look at trouble? When trouble hits you, how do you look at it? How do you face it? What's your perspective in it? When it gets tight financially, how does it affect your joy? How does it affect your well-being? I wish I could tell you that I was just unaffected by the external circumstances of life. But I'll be lying to you. Because we all walk through things and external things affect us. But Paul had learned the secret that no matter what happened to him externally, internally, there was a contentment with what God was doing in his life and an assurance that whatever God was going to do was going to work out for his good. And I think this is where we get in some trouble is that we don't really trust that God is going to work our lives for his good. We think we got to get control of this or we're going down. we got to get this under control or we're not going to make it. But Paul had this confident assurance that God was going to work things out for his good. Your outlook determines your outcome. Your outlook determines your outcome. Perspective is everything. When it comes to what you're going through and what you're walking through, it does not mean that you're not walking through real pain. It doesn't mean that your feelings are not valid. It is what those external situations are doing to you internally. You have got to be fortified internally that whatever you go through externally doesn't shake you, doesn't move you, doesn't adjust your beliefs, doesn't shake your theology, that a storm can go be going on externally. But internally, there is a secret contentment. There is a joy. Paul's secret to contentment was this. It was learning to live from the inside out instead of outside in. What was the secret that he was talking about? This is the secret. You can put it back up there. This was the secret. The secret was I have to live from the, outs from the inside out, not the outside in. Because if we live from the outside in, this is why we have the wrong set of measurables. i got to have enough money to be happy. You know why? Because I'm looking at the outside. And I think if I can get that, if I can attain that, if I get that promotion, if I can buy that car, if I can get into that house, if I can get to this place where I'm freed up this much, then I will feel happy. And I'm going to tell you, if you're not happy without it, you won't be happy with it. Because joy is an internal condition. It is this internal spring and source of life. Joy is an internal movement, movement in your own life. Philippians chapter 1, verse 3 through 6. This is, this is part of Paul's secret. He says, I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you. I always pray with joy. With joy. Because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Why does he pray with joy? Being confident of this. That he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Listen, joy is not found in the absence of external pressure, but in the presence of internal contentment. Our, so our, our goal has to be contentment. It cannot be all of the outside situations lining up perfectly because they never will. And by the time you get them all lined up, it begins to teeter and totter, and you, you're about to, to, this thing's about to draw. Your joy is fragile if it's based on external situations. But it becomes very concrete 
when it's based on internal commitment. Internal commitment. Psalm 1611 says, you make known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. Joy comes from God. Joy comes from his presence. Joy comes from the confident assurance that he who began a good work in me will carry it on to completion. That's where joy comes from. I can trust God. I can walk with God. I can rely on God because I know God is good and I know God is for me. And I can trust that he's going to bring to completion what he started in me. And the temporary storm is not going to derail me from the destiny that God has for my life so the temporary storm doesn't affect my internal contentment because I know that God's working everything out for the good in my life we have got to stop looking at at Christ through the lens of our circumstances and look at our circumstances through the lens of Christ so we look at him through everything that's going on but we got to switch it and see everything that's going on through him you ever put on certain color of sunglasses and everything becomes that color? My boys found this out. Jude, his favorite color is blue, so he put on the sunglasses and it was blue. And he goes, Daddy, everything is my color. Because blue is his, apparently. <laughs> everything is my color. It's blue. It's not that things are actually blue. It's that the lens that he sees it through is blue. So whatever lens you're using determines your outlook and then determines your outcome. If I always am looking at, my, at the Lord through my circumstances, I can get discouraged very easily. But if I can look at my circumstances through the lens of he who began a good work in me will carry it on to completion, everything begins to change. Isaiah 61, chapter 1 or verse 1 through 3, it says, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of the vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes. It's an exchange. The oil of joy for mourning. The garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. That there may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. I want to focus on this for a second. He says he gives us the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. You have to see this because everything before this was an exchange. We give him ashes and he gives us beauty. We give him praise when, when, when we praise, he replaces the spirit of heaviness with that garment of praise. And I want you to see this. It's a spirit. I'm not trying to be super spiritual with you. I'm not trying to freak anybody out. But the Bible says it's a spirit of heaviness. Well, I'm just dealing with some stuff, Pastor. I'm just, I'm going to tell you, it's a spirit of heaviness. And it needs to be broken off our lives. Some of you are like, oh man, what are we talking about right now? This is just what the Bible says. It says it's the spirit. I don't know what else it could mean. The attitude of, of I mean, it says spirit. So we believe, we just got out of the series, all scripture is God-breathed and is useful. 
So if it's all useful so that we can be thoroughly equipped, we have to look at this and understand that there is a replacing, there is a transition that happens, that the garment of praise replaces the spirit of heaviness, which tells me that a secret to me finding my joy is me finding my praise. And if I can find my praise, which means magnifying and glorifying God, then I can find contentment. The secret to contentment is internally finding joy, finding peace, that no matter what happens on the external, it will not affect what is on me internally. Paul was bound externally, but he had joy internally. He was locked up, he was beat, he was chained up externally, but internally, he says, God is faithful to complete that which he has begun. I have learned the secret of being content. No matter what situation, whether plenty, whether in need, I've learned to be content in every situation. Let me ask you this question. How's your contentment level? How's your contentment level? Well, if she would just, if he would just, if he, I understand, I understand, but how's your contentment level? Because if the joy in your marriage is always based on the external situation, guess what? She will always disappoint you. He will always disappoint you because she's not your savior. He's not your savior. Jesus is. And if you would get whole, you could actually love her better and she would love you better. But you're looking to them and you're killing them, depending on them for your joy. They just don't make me happy anymore. You know how many times I hear that? They just don't make me happy anymore. The problem is not them not making you happy. The problem is that internally you are void of the contentment that only comes from Christ. And the Bible says this. It says that the, the garment of praise replaces the spirit of heaviness. I want to close with this story. I could preach this whole story in, for a long time, and I, I have in different, different settings. I love it. But in Acts chapter 16, the Bible talks about this. It talks about Paul and Silas were in prison again. This is where like Paul was just like, Paul wrote most of the Bible, most of the New Testament from prison. Now let's just change the way that you read it. He's like, in jail again. Here we go. It's like, I think God, like, let him be taken to prison. Just he's like, I, I need another book out of you. Let's just get you to jail. It's like, I mean, that, that's what I would write if I was, you know, thrown in. I, anyways, um, just got some time on your hands. So Paul just began to write. And in Acts chapter 16, it says Paul and Silas were in jail. You know the story. They're in prison. And it says about midnight, they begin to sing. They're in a jail cell, stocks, locked up, other prisoners. They say that they were in the deepest part of the cell, which was usually the nastiest part where a lot of other things would flow down to the lowest level. And says that's where they were. And, and they began to sing. Praise. You know what praise means? Because we use that super spiritual word all the time. Praise actually means this. Praise is what you give glory to. Or magnify. It's that simple. Praise God. Does that mean I got to like clap my hands and sing a, sing a church song? No, praise just means I glorify Him. I'm so most of the time when we're discontented, we are glorifying a situation. But when we glorify Him, the situation seems a little less important. And we say, God, we're going to magnify you but you ever had a magnifying glass? How it magnifies something? That's what praise does. 
praise magnify. What did David say? Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. He says, let, 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 let's make God bigger. Let's see him how he really is. Bigger than our problems. Bigger than our circumstances. Bigger than life situations. And Paul and Silas are in the prison. Sitting there and the Bible says they begin to sing. They begin to praise God. In the middle of their external crisis, they chose to allow their internal joy to come out. And they begin to sing and they begin to praise. And the Bible says about midnight, there was an earthquake that shook the prison. And every single jail cell popped open. The door popped open. All of a sudden, there was freedom. And this is a wild thing is not just Paul and Silas's cells were open. It says that every jail cell was open, which tells me that other people's victory is tied to your victory. That if you would praise, other people would praise. If you would give free, someone else would give free. You know what our city needs? Our city needs some people walking around with internal joy that will lift up a praise to God in the midst of every storm. Your testimony is not how you escaped life storms. Your testimony is how you went through them and you still have joy. Your testimony is how you walked through hell and you're still all right. Your testimony is how you went through that dysfunction and you went through that crisis and you still love Jesus and you're still okay. That's the testimony. The testimony is not, I, I never, I've never had a problem. And I'm going to tell you, you never having a problem does not encourage me. It discourages me. Because if you never had a problem, and I got all kinds of problems, what am I? But your transparency and vulnerability allow me to see that we all have issues externally. But it's not the external things that determine my joy. It is my internal contentment and being okay with who I am and the skin that God put me in and the call that God put on my life. It is being all right with it and saying, God, he who began a good work in me will carry it on to completion. I'm going to tell you, you are God's good project. You are God's good gift. You are God's good plan. You are God's good destiny. And he is going to bring it to completion. Come hell or high water, God is going to make sure that he works in you and through you to make you into who God's called you to be. And the enemy would love to come and bind you externally so he can bind you internally. You know what's said of a real man of God, a real woman of God? I've been bound externally, but it has not bound me internally. I feel like in closing today that I want to pray for some people, do things just a little bit different today, but I, I want to pray for some people that you've had some of those chains of discontentment, of discouragement, of even maybe depression. Well, what's going to happen? Well, I'm going to tell you what's going to happen when we begin to praise God. He's going to replace the spirit of heaviness with the garment of praise. Well, you said it was a spirit. Yeah, this is the thing about a spirit. People glorify spirit way too much. When we turn on the lights in here this morning, there was not a battle between light and darkness. We just turned it on and the light. It, it was not like this, oh, what kind of Sunday is it going to be? Come on, lights. It, we just turned them on. And the dark, that's the power of your God. That's a, so we just replace it. 
I got to overcome this spirit of heaviness. We got to fast. We got to pray. Somebody lay hands. Get the oil. This has got to be. No. Lord, I, I, I magnify you bigger than the pain that I'm going through. God, you're still good in the midst of my situation. You're still with me in the midst of my storm. You're walking with me right now. And God, I trust you. I magnify you. That, my friends, is all you need to replace the heaviness that's on your life. It is the garment of praise. It's what Paul and Silas had in Acts chapter 16. It's like, all right, this looks bad. Let's sing about it. Let's make God really big. You know what, there's been times in our church and times personally where I face things and externally you have a struggle and all of a sudden internally you have a struggle and you have to make the decision I had to make the decision multiple times this week I had to make the decision this week this external situation cannot affect internal joy I have to find my contentment in Him Thanks for listening. You can find out more about us at church1132.com.